0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. So in
1: verse 7, back here in Deuteronomy, 30. Also, the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on all those who hate you who persecute you and that 's certainly what has happened to all of enemies, all the enemies of Israel. they have either been conquered they 've been destroyed they 've been confounded, even to this day, everyone around Israel is confounded it 's sort of like this hornet 's nest that they just can 't seem to conquer. They're just they're so frustrated. They would do anything they could to, to, to annihilate this little piece of land and everybody in it. But every time they get close, they, they just they, they overwhelm their enemies. And I love that because they're messing with God. How can I keep it from shouting your name? I know-
0: Hi, and thanks for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes this three-part series in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 29 and 30, by exploring the promises of God's blessings when His people return to Him. Our God is merciful and loving and will always take us back if we yield to Him and His will. Even though Israel was taken into captivity for their sin, God was gracious enough to restore them and bless them. They belong to God, and he will never forsake them. Through Jesus Christ, we too belong to God and receive these same promises. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. will
1: be referring to that because in verse 4 it says, If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from where the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you, and then the Lord your God will bring you back to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He shall prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And Israel today is prospering like nobody's business. They've been prospering ever since 1948. In fact, their enemies hate it. Because when it, the last couple of times I've been to Israel, I've noticed it getting greener and greener. Wherever we go on the bus, this used to be a barren wasteland. Now it's full of palm trees. It's full of date, date palms. It's full of mangoes. And they're growing... You know cherries, and they're growing all kinds of things. They, they, they have more fruit than anybody else. They, they export fruit to other people. Huge exporter of fruit. God is blessing the land again. It's blossoming. They're in the land. And I'll multiply you. And the Lord, verse 6, your God, he will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul again. Why? The purpose that you may live. That you may live and this is speaking uh, we believe of when god is going to create a, he's going to share with them a new covenant in fact in jeremiah chapter 31 you know when it says here in verse 6 it says the lord your god will circumcise your heart and the heart of his descendants to love the lord your god this could very well be this new covenant that god is going to make with israel in that day in jerusalem i'm sorry in jeremiah chapter 31 jeremiah speaks of that day yet coming Says, Behold, the days are coming says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out of the, uh, by the hand and led them out of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Notice, I'll put my heart or my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." And also in Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart, God says. And remember, Ezekiel is a, is a contemporary of Jeremiah. They were both alive at the time of the Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah stayed back in Jerusalem, and Ezekiel went with the captives in Babylon. And now Ezekiel is saying the same thing by the Spirit of God I will give you a new heart. He's encouraging these captives as they're waiting there, being 70 years in captivity. And he says, Tell the people, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments, notice, and do them. And then you shall dwell in the land, notice, that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will be your God. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. We're going to read a good chunk of of scripture tonight, because it's really good. <laughs> it's really good. Ezekiel chapter 36. Again, this is so important because this is really the restoration of the people, right? God is prophesying them, telling them that what's coming, that he's going to bring them back into their land again. And so what does it say in Ezekiel chapter 36? We're going to look at verse 16 of chapter 36. And are I don't know, we uh, we may only get through, uh, let me see here. Hmm. I'm looking at the clock and I'm running out of time. Well, let's look at a couple of verses and we'll get into verse or chapter 37. Notice down in um, verse 24, it says, For I will take you from among the nations. And again, I believe ultimately this is going to fulfill itself finally in the millennial reign of Christ, but it certainly could be talking about their coming home from Babylon, from exile. It could be speaking of the 1948 when they first came and they became a nation again from being scattered all over the world. But ultimately, it's going to find its fulfillment, of course, in the millennial reign. But notice what he says. I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your old land. And notice, here's why I think it's in the millennium, because it says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and from all of your idols." I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And notice in verse 32, he says, Not for your sakes do I do this, says the Lord. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. God's saying, I do this for my glory. I do this because of my great name, not because of yours. Not because of yours. But look at me with chapter 37. This is interesting. We have to read this whole chapter. (laughs) The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And you know this. And it was full of bones, and then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there was very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, and I said, O Lord, you know. And again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I'll put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied, and there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come out from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into me, into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. This is yet to occur. It's beginning. In 1948, we saw the beginning of something new, but it's going to keep going. It's going to keep going, and ultimately it's going to find its ultimate fulfillment again in the millennial kingdom of Christ. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will pour out your graves. Will, I'm sorry, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. And we certainly saw that in 1948, didn't we? They did come into their land, and they're going to come into the land again uh, in its totality in the millennial reign of Christ. And then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you. That speaks of the indwelling. And that has to occur when their eyes are finally opened, when they finally receive Jesus Christ, when Israel will be saved, they will have the Spirit of God indwelling them. And you shall live, and I'll place you in your own land, and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. And again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, As for you, son of man, take a stick for yourselves and write on it, for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions, and then take another stick and write on it, for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel his com- com- uh, companions, then command them uh, sir, excuse me then join them one to another for yourself into one stick, and they shall become one in your hand see from the the moment that in nine thirty one b c remember when solomon 's kingdom split from that moment from that moment that was the end of solomon 's reign, and we 're not going to see Israel become one again until the millennial reign, when there'll be one who will unite them, and there'll be one king over them. And when the children of your people speak to you, saying, Will you not show us what, this, what these mean? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his companions, and I will join them with it, with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in my hand. They shall be one in my hand. Let's go on to the, um, let me see, verse 21. And then say to them, thus says the Lord God, surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, whether they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land, and I will make them one nation in the land. That hasn't happened yet in its totality. I mean, they're one nation now, but there's really no king in the sense of a king of Judah on the throne but we know that Jesus will be that one. And also David. We're going to see that in just a moment. This is going to be interesting. Hang in there. Verse 22. And I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king over them all, and they shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of the transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned, and will cleanse them. And then they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Notice verse 24. This is huge. Underline this. David, my servant, shall be king over them. What? David? Wait a minute. We're reading in Ezekiel. We're, we're, think of this. We're in Ezekiel, somewhere in the 7th century B.C. David died like back in 1000 you know, B.C., somewhere in that area. So... Does he really mean David? David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall have one shepherd, and they shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given my servant Jacob, where their fathers have dwelled, and they shall dwell there, their children and their children's children forever. And notice, my servant David shall be their prince forever. Prince forever. Some people think that this means Jesus because he was from the lineage of David, but I don't think so. I think it's literally David. Because David, remember, is going to be, reinc- or not reincarnated, he's going to be resurrected. Wrong, wrong religion. Um, i have to fix that. <laughs> uh, he's going to be resurrected. Okay, we're Christians now. He's going to be resurrected, right, in a new body, in the new Jerusalem. And Jesus will reign over all, but he's going to allow David, we believe, to be a king and a prince over the people of Israel once again, in spite of his failures. Isn't that wonderful to consider all the things that David did and to think that he's going to still be, God's going to allow him to reign over his people in the millennial reign. Moreover, I'll make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be with an everlasting covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant Sorry, with them. I will establish them and multiply them, and he goes on. I just want to share with you a couple scriptures concerning David in this end time scenario in his resurrected body. It says in Jeremiah thirty verse nine, "But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, lowercase k, whom I will raise up for them." So, speaking of the future restoration of of, of Israel in the kingdom in the in the millennial reign. God is going to raise David up. In Ezekiel 34, it says this, I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. So do you see? God is going to be above. Jesus is going to be overseeing the whole thing. He's going to allow David to be on the throne and be a servant of Jesus Christ. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken and then finally we saw this in Ezekiel 37 David my servant shall be king over them even in Hosea the prophet in chapter 3 it says this for the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince and that's what they are today from the moment that Zedekiah went into captivity in Babylon Israel has been without a king even today Netanyahu is not the king he's a good man and he's a he's a prime minister And we love him. However, he's not the king of Israel. They've been without king or prince, he says, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return. Notice. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. In the latter days. Yeah. And it's certainly going to be in the future, isn't it? So in verse 7 back here in Deuteronomy 30 also the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on all those who hate you who persecute you and that's certainly what has happened to all of enemies all the enemies of Israel they have either been conquered they've been destroyed they've been confounded even to this day everyone around Israel is confounded it's sort of like this hornets nest that they just can't seem to conquer they're just, they're so frustrated. They would do anything they could to, to, to annihilate this little piece of land and everybody in it. But every time they get close, they, they just, they, they overwhelm their enemies. And I love that because they're messing with God. They're messing with the apple of his eye. And guess what? Don't mess with God's, the apple of God's eye. And I love it. The Jews are the apple of his eye. And guess what? So are you. Do you know that? You're the apple of God's eye. He loves you so much. Aren't you glad for that? Everybody smile really big, like ice cream is on the way. Yeah. And you shall again obey the voice, verse 8, and do all of his commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abound in all of the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. Notice the conditional statement, if, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And I love what he goes on to, verse 11. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven... That you should say, who shall ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word of God is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. Notice verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good and death and evil. I've set before you life and death, life and good and death and evil. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Notice another conditional statement. But if your heart turns away so that you do not fear and are drawn away and worship after other gods and serve them, then this is what's going to happen. Verse 18, I announce to you today, he's telling them, that you you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over Jordan to, to go in and possess it. And, you know, they could have been there a lot longer. But because of their rebellion, God had to bring another nation, another idolatrous, God-hating nation, to come against his own people to take them captive. It almost seems like, God, how could you do that? These, these people are bad. And he's saying, well, you're bad too. And I'm going to use a bad, some bad people to overthrow a bad people. But I still love you. But you've got to go through it. So he says, Choose life. And you know, is there any life outside of Christ? I mean, really. Jesus said it himself. He said in John 14, I'm the, w- I'm the only way, I am the only truth, I am the only life. What are you going to choose tonight? You may say, well, I've already chosen Jesus. Well, you better. what about the decisions you're going to make tomorrow? Are they going to be those decisions that are of God, or are they going to be of your own flesh? And so often I make decisions, and just kind of willy-nilly, and I, I give no thought to what God may think about my decision. I need to stop from that kind of thing, because I'll confess to you that I do that more than I would like to admit. But choose Jesus. And, you know, choose life, too. We can even take it a little further, you know. That's why we're opposed to abortion. That's why it says in the law, thou shalt not kill. And that's why we support ministries like Embracing Options. You know, God, speaking to the prophet Jeremiah, said this when he was um, ordaining him, in a sense, and commissioning him. God said this to Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. you know what that means? Our government and our state legislature and everybody, they're trying to decide when does conception begin? When does life really begin? Well, you know, before today, I'll be honest with you, today I thought, well, at conception is when life begins. And then, I read, then I, the Lord reminded me of this verse. He goes, no, conception began before the, he was even born. He was already in my mind. Before you were in the womb, I, or Jeremiah, I knew you. And how dare anybody take that life away? You don't have that right. You will stand before a holy God. Think of how many wonderful people, wonderful artists, wonderful inventors, perhaps somebody who would invent a cure for cancer. We'll never know because they're in a grave. Their placenta is wrapped around them and they're burned in a fire some in some furnace. We'll never know. But God says choose life. Choose life. And when we choose life, we are in step with God and in his will. And so that's what we need to do. We need to choose life. Verse 20, why? That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. Cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Cling to him. I I, I love the... um, Forgive me if I use this too much, but I will. When my daughter was little, she'd cling to my leg. We'd have leg rides in our house when she was a little girl. And she would, I'd put my foot down and she would grab around my leg and and she would sit on my foot and she'd grab hold of my leg. And I would walk around and I'd look like Quasimodo because there was some weight on my feet, but I I could, it was doable, you know? So I'd be like, And it wasn't enough that we would walk around on the first floor of the house. She's like, again, again. And then we'd go around again. Then she'd take me upstairs. So now we're doing it on the steps going up. Try that. But cling. Cling to the Lord like a little girl would hold her father's leg and not depart from him. Cling to him. Cling to the Lord. Love him more than anything. Trust him more than anyone And give your heart totally, unreservedly over to him in every area of your life. Give him the the key to all the dark places tonight. Do you have a dark place? you have a dark place nobody knows about? No one knows about except you and God. Give that dark place over to him tonight. Because in doing so, there's great blessing. He wants to bless your life. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your exhortation to us is to choose life. And, Father, tonight we want to do that. We want to choose it. We want to thank you for it. And we just pray, God, that you'd fill us with your life, the life of your spirit, Lord. Um, baptize us in the spirit, Lord, that we could be effective ministers and to all those around us, to our family members, to our friends, to our coworkers, Lord, to everyone that we encounter, Father. This Sunday night when we go out again for our final time, Lord, Give us that same spirit and make our lives, make make our words electrifying to those who are going to hear. And Lord, may we share the gospel with them, more than just inviting them, more than just inviting them, Father. May we break through that wall, Lord, according to your will and your plan, Lord. It's all your business. But set us on fire again, Lord. Cleanse us, heal us. In Jesus' name.
0: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.